welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Today, we're going to be talking about how organizations can work smarter when it comes to their IT strategy and IT operations. Um, I'm joined today by Pekka Nermi, who is the Director of Corporate IT at SimCorp. Pekka, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. My, uh, nice to be here. Good. Um, okay, so so we're going to um, to talk about how SimCorp has uh, made some changes in IT to to work smarter okay. instead of harder. Uh, before we do that, tell us a bit about yourself, your background, and your role at SimCorp. Uh, well, um, like you mentioned, I'm 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 I'm, I'm head of the uh, whole uh, of our uh, corporate IT systems in uh, six countries and three continents, and. Uh, uh, maybe a little bit different about, about, about my background is that I was actually a management consultant prior to uh, working as a uh, IT director, and uh, uh, I think that's that has helped me a little bit in in this uh, transformation. Mm-hmm. So your consult or your consulting background was in in management, or it, so it, on the business side or on the IT side. Uh, in the business side, but I always found that I always ended up doing something with IT. So I, I, I sort of all, all the time, every year I gravitated uh, closer to the IT topics all the, all the time. Yeah. I, I did have like IT background. Uh, I've been programming some software to a couple of companies in way, way, way down the, down the line. But, but, uh, but that, that, it, it, the IT was always something that uh, I'm, I'm always seem to be like gravitating toward that. So I, I think the, the current position sort of came naturally. <laughs> Yeah. And I think, you know, some of the conversations, you know, we've had on this podcast, you know, folks talk a lot about how traditionally IT and the business side, you know, in in many instances were fairly siloed, right? And there's more of a need to really merge that together. So I think having that that business background and bringing that to an IT role, you know, could be really helpful in sort of creating that closer collaboration. I, I, I really think so that that, yeah. that that is the case and 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 really good good idea uh, thing to have in the background mm-hmm. yeah yeah it doesn't I I've talked to folks where the two within a company are at odds uh, and and it doesn't work very well right so it's everyone needs to to be friendly and work together and I think when you have some experience seeing the other person's you know um viewpoints it, it it's helpful in in being able to do that good so um, tell us, how would you describe SimCorp's IT strategy overall? Well, I, I, I think the big idea, like a really in a big, big scale is that uh, like we have six offices all around the globe. And the idea is that uh, no matter where you go, uh, you would always have that similar kind of technology and, and, and back, back-end systems uh, waiting for you. So you can just hop onto the plane and arrive to another continent and, and start working. That's sort of the big, big idea. And but uh, but more about the strategies that uh, we seem to be and we are always reducing the number of uh, the systems in house mm-hmm. because uh, we really started uh, from a situation where the number of different systems was just immense mm-hmm. and uh, and and we sort of uh, were in the continuous loop that update upgrade and then you started to lag uh, so much in behind so. We really decided. Okay, we need to uh, cut down the number of systems and concentrate on the uh, the core systems in in, in general. And uh, 
And also what we are doing at the moment is we are trying always to find things to outsource. And mm -hmm. uh, there is so much of new stuff we have to uh, take care of, like a compliance, uh, information security, uh, and embedding IT and, and IT processes to business development. And um, that seems to be the core. So we really always are trying to find things that, okay, we don't have to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. This is like a, like a, well, it, it wouldn't be fair to say trivial things, but uh, less important uh, stuff. So right. outside yeah, of your yeah. core competency, right? You want to be able to, to focus on what matters most and not have to become an expert in everything. Yeah. And I, I've, been, I've been discussing with many of my colleagues in, in similar positions and similar companies, and, and we seem to agree on the thing that uh, unless you're a little bit like uh, uh, in, in like proactive in replacing and updating and upgrading, mm -hmm. you will be in the uh, the worst side of the slope, and and you sort of always are playing catch. Yes, and that's not a good place to be. That makes sense. Um, and and so from a high level, it sounds like global consistency is important, and then yes. looking at sort of simplification. Um, of complexity in the systems that you're using um, and simplification in management um, so that you're you're focusing on on what matters most instead of trying to focus on every single thing. Yeah, it's like when we start the discussion with business that okay what can, what can we do what can we do and what can we where can we improve? I, I really hate to say that we could do that, but then I have to update system one number one, system number two, and system number three, and maybe then, if all, all things go forward, we can do that. Mm -hmm. And that would be like a six months later. Right. I, I, I prefer to be able to say that, okay, we are almost there, we have this one system, maybe, maybe two, if things are bad, and then we can move forward. But uh, the complexities, uh, that can drag you down a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, and so the idea of you know consolidating to less systems, and also the idea of outsourcing in the areas where you can leverage external expertise. Yeah, um, it's almost the the management of IT, the planning, you know, the the strategy is has become the job versus the management of systems, right? So. It's more of, like you said, staying ahead of things and looking at, okay, where do we need to be in six months? Where do we need to be in a year? So yep. the more you can rely on, um, you know, folks to to be a part of of getting you there, then the more you can focus on staying ahead of that strategy, right? Yes, and and finding uh, suppliers and partners who have uh, like a vision of the future. What can it be? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. we cannot be inventing everything in house, we mm -hmm. we we are relying uh, on on the uh, our partners' uh, insights on many of the topics. So it's about finding who has the right vision, who has the uh, capability to execute that, and and things like that. So it's it's like managing a, a like a network of of partners yeah. who are on the same page with you. So I'm curious to ask you, Pekka. Though you know, I think. I would say the majority of, of companies that we would have listening to this podcast would agree with the concept of focusing more on core competencies, right? So, so however you get there, simplification of systems, outsourcing of, of different areas of expertise. But I think there are some that still really, really struggle with the concept of relinquishing control. And so they're they're kind of fighting 
their desire to do it all. And that all is growing and growing and growing and growing. And it becomes harder and harder and harder to do it all because as, yep. as, you know, as digital matures, right, there's just more sophistication, more capabilities, more opportunities. Yes. And so, you know, it's the world is expanding and they're trying desperately to keep it all within their grasp. So what would you say to those folks about, you know, the, the value of letting go and then also, you know, how to sort of shift the mindset and know that, you know, it, it's, it actually could help you more to not try and control everything in-house. Yeah, that's very familiar topic. That's where I started when I got this mm-hmm. position, uh, uh, the, the IT department that, okay, we've done all everything in-house and this is what, how we want to operate. But uh, uh, through a lot of discussion uh, and, and, and opening uh, the idea that how management sees IT department, I think uh, that opened up the idea that uh, like if, if we tried always to do everything, mm-hmm. we will be so slow that uh, like, a, like a, we would be a focus of like a top management, uh, like a gaze on the IT mm-hmm. department. That, why are you so slow mm-hmm. on these things? And uh, through that and a lot of discussion and, and more discussion and, and, and meetings and, and staying in the uh, different offices and talking to IT people, we gradually were able to see that, okay, we, we, we just cannot go on like this. There's just too much to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and being able to prove the point that, hey, we, we actually are quite slow on, on certain topics. So... Uh, um, my team sort of uh, gradually realized that yeah. we have to do do something. Yeah, uh, it's the idea. I think that you know, in today's landscape, the pace of innovation is so fast yes. that it becomes almost impossible to keep up if you're trying to become a master of all. Right? You know, it, it's um, you you become it becomes advantageous to rely on, on the experts in those different areas versus, you know, it's, it's almost unrealistic to try and think that you can take the time to do all of those things and stay, you know, um, you know, ahead to the degree you need to, to be competitive and, you know, uh, all of those things. Um, go ahead. And it's, and, and it's fantastic to, to see those like a small wins being able to prove that we are on the right path because like a, being able to do something in two weeks with right partner that mm-hmm. would have taken six months mm-hmm. in, in, in some other way. Right. So it's like, okay, I'm, this is good. This is a good way. Yeah. Uh, people are happy about it. And, and we get like a compliments from the management that how did you guys do, uh, were able to do that in such a short uh, note and, and, and the timeline and, and the cost wasn't actually that bad. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. And it's, you know, it comes back to the idea of any change, right. Or any evolution, you know, if SimCorp was used to doing this all itself and you come in and say, no, we really need to shift, um, and, and, you know, look at outsourcing more, um, the first few times you have those wins, you know, you have more and more light bulbs of, oh, okay, you know, this can work. It it wasn't a failure, you know, everything's okay. And then the comfort level increases and you start to see how you can, you know, really expand there. That makes sense. So, you know, talking about innovation, um, you know, I I came into this space, Pekka, in 
2008 um, and, and have been, you know, interviewing folks like yourself um, on a daily basis since then. Uh, and it's been really interesting to see, you know, how digital environments have matured and become more sophisticated and just the wealth of opportunity that exists to companies today with, you know, um, the, the technology that's out there. How would you say the focus of IT innovation today differs from, you know, IT innovation of a decade ago? What are the, the major shifts? Mm, I have, once again, I had, a, I had a fantastic discussion with one of the colleagues from another company uh, regarding just this exact topic. And, uh, and we were thinking like, okay, what 10 years ago, how we would have solved this uh, item at, at the time? And uh, it would be like a we would be selecting like a really dedicated like a IT IT people that is mm -hmm. like a in into IT. But then we were thinking that hmm, actually uh, regarding one of the uh, topics we were discussing about, we, we decided that actually we don't wanna, want to want to have IT staff on that at all. Mm -hmm. it, it's more like a, we were starting to discuss that would there be some business consultant that has some capability in IT that would define that area. So I, I think that this goes back a little bit to the where we originally discussed about the consulting background and, mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, the business is much more involved or, or, and, and should be much more involved. Uh, it's not like the IT side has become any less important, but uh, in order to get things done and, 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 and uh, the complete ideas, it's, it's like the, the scope of things has increased. Maybe 10 years ago, it was enough that you solved the IT side. Mm -hmm. But today, you have to uh, solve the IT and business side in the same time. Right. So I, I, I sort of think that this is the, the core change that has happened in the 10 years. Yeah, no, that makes time. sense. It's, I think the importance of it is, has it even increased significantly? You know, I mean, you look at all of the digital transformation that's underway in every business today. You know, I think... The importance is critical, but I, I think, you know, what we're talking about here is the idea that it's shifting from the criticality of internal execution to the criticality of strategy, right? And, yes. and you know, um, and how that allows you to scale the way that you need to, to, you know, be innovative and competitive. So yeah. what, so, okay, so, so. I wanted to come back to the the title of the podcast. So talking about working smarter, right? So I think we've we've touched on some of those things, and we're going to dig in a little bit more. Um, so we talked about simplification of systems. We've talked about outsourcing in areas where you can, you know, really benefit from leveraging external expertise. Is there anything else you would say? Um, is a characteristic of how SimCorp is looking at IT in terms of working smarter instead of working harder? Uh, yes, we've done a lot of work on that topic. And uh, I think the core thing is trying not to overcomplicate mm -hmm. any of the processes and topics. Uh, if we look at like a ERP systems or uh, software in, in general, mm -hmm. uh, they already have a built-in processes and, and and uh, and tried out ways to work mm -hmm. and uh, all the uh, jobs I've had and all the customers I've had uh, I, I always say, saw that uh, idea that everybody was trying to overcomplicate that my process is so special mm -hmm. our business is so special when as, as a, like an outsider you could always see that 
I've seen this a thousand times. It's the exact same process repeating itself time and a time and a time and again. But, but the people running it are always saying that this is special. We need special kind of software and, and, and the loop starts from there. So uh, the idea is to have a, like an open mind that maybe somebody has found the golden nugget or golden eagle of mm -hmm. process that's already built into the system. And uh, like ERP systems, they have tens of thousands of clients that, and that have been running for uh, decades, actually. Mm -hmm. So the process it might have been already evolved. And the, in many cases, I've, I've found that uh, accepting that the ERP system might actually be already really smart on, mm -hmm. on and, uh, and, and having the talks with the people that is this really so special and, uh, or is there someone we can like do a benchmarking on mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and finding, finding the ways that could we just use this? There might be some idea in the, in the background mm -hmm. and try it out. And if it's not, then we do something, but uh you know that's it's such a good point pekka because i think you know the sense i get in talking with people is almost like customization is like a badge of honor you know it's like no yeah. we could we could never use an out-of-the-box solution that's just preposterous our business is far too important for that right yeah. or um and and you know i i think again going back to evolution over the last 10 years, you know, there probably was a point in time where that was more accurate than it is today, exactly. you know, where yeah. the solutions were not sophisticated enough or, you know, weren't incorporating best practices from 10,000 yeah. customers or what have you um, to the degree where, you know, it was X percent there, but you needed to, to add on to that. I, I think yeah. you're making a really good point in that, you know, with the you know, while, while businesses have been maturing and evolving and, and transforming, so too have technology providers, right? Yes. So the point you're making about, you know, hey, maybe it's worth taking off that sort of badge of honor and not looking at it from the context of, you know, we need to make this super complicated because yeah. we're, we're important and we're different and, and all of these things and looking at, wow, could we make our lives a lot easier, um, maybe spend less money, maybe, you know, have a faster implementation, you know, maybe get better value if we yeah. kind of open, open our, our um, perspective a bit and just consider that. I, I think that's a really, really important point. Um, you know, yeah, just I to, to think about the progression that's occurred and, you know, just, you know, next time you're evaluating software, why don't you think about looking at it a little bit differently and, and not, you know, staying stuck in, in the, the history of it, but looking at, at what is out there right now. Yeah. And, and also in my career, I've, I've had the chance to take a look at uh, ERP systems that were implemented two or three years ago. And mm -hmm. I, I was invited to check that. How, how are we doing today with the system? Mm -hmm. and that always ended up uh, like a 60 to 80% of those modifications, then, then the, the, the customer started paying for the ERP provider that, okay, we remove these customizations because the ERP system was right in the first mm -hmm. place, mm -hmm. but they just didn't accept that. Yeah. So, so I, I, I've been seeing that happening so many times over. Yeah. And, and to your point, um, it's probably beneficial to, like you said, try it 
And if you do find areas, proven areas where you need something, yep. that's fine. But don't go into it with the expectation that you could never, right? Because you might exactly. you, you might find that you know you could make things a lot easier. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Very, very good. Um, so you know, from an IT perspective, part of, of your job is helping SimCorp to stay ahead of, of customer demands, right? And and to um, enable internal operations and enable, um, you know, externally for a, a good customer experience. What, mm -hmm. what would you say are the top demands of today's customers that, you know, end up falling into um, uh, necessity from IT? You know, like how, you know, you take customer expectations, how does that kind of translate into what you're expected to, to deliver? Uh, I actually, uh, I, I think I, well, uh, we, we are using IFS ERP system and uh, uh, they are talking about moment of service in their mm -hmm. biggest uh, uh, topics. And I actually fell in love with that uh, slogan, moment of service. Mm -hmm. That sort of uh, describes quite accurately what, what we need and what mm -hmm. the customers need. So the IT systems really have to be uh, there present and uh, and have a real-time information that you can provide that mm -hmm. there's no other way when mm -hmm. when the uh, customer contacts you they might have a, like a spare part they would need desperately uh, delivered overnight or uh, something other issue is going there and what the customer wants to hear is is that okay it's like a can-do answer mm -hmm. and, and within that first email phone call whatever uh, support ticket you you might have done and and they really want to hear that that okay we are on that and we know what's going to happen and when we're going to be able to fix it mm -hmm. so the the moment of service is actually really fantastic word mm -hmm. to describe mm -hmm. the need for uh like it yeah i agree and i think you know there's a lot that relates to that moment of service in the sense of it's a moment, but it, it's far more than that, right? So that okay. moment of service is, is a moment of experience. But what yeah. happens in that moment, you know, that can mean um, it's, it's brand perception, right? It, mm -hmm. it can be customer loyalty. It can be, you know, the difference between, you know, revenue growth or revenue loss, right? I mean, yeah. there's, there's, you know, that service as a differentiator is um is where we are right and so how you align your your infrastructure and your people to be able mm -hmm. to like you said what do they want boom we're ready we have it we're there we're giving them what they need yeah. um it really is the the name of the game you know uh it's it's um everything you're doing is working to uh and we're going to talk about this in a minute but you know, it's really this, this game of mastering complexity, you know, and, mm -hmm. I, and I think I say mastering, not simplifying, because you can simplify to a degree through some of the steps that you've talked about so far, but yeah. the rest of it, you have to master your customers don't care. I mean, they don't care how much effort exactly. you're putting into delivering when they need it, uh, but you have to be able to do it. Right. So um, yeah. yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, and there's huge amount of complexity in the background. But like you said, the customer doesn't care. They right. want to see their uh, uh, issue solved in the in in as fast as uh, it's possible. 
huge and only, only multiplying, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not a huge amount of complexity that's going to stay level, right? It just continues, the more sophisticated every, everything gets technology wise and, and the more um, consumer experiences that impact what customers want, you know, that level of complexity keeps climbing and climbing and climbing. And that's why, you know, going back to the beginning of our discussion, um, that's why I think it's such a good point to, for folks to understand, like the, the idea of mastering it all yourself is not sustainable, right? Like you have to start looking at how to work smarter instead of harder, because you can't do what you need to do in that moment. If you're trying to, to kind of, you know, I I'm thinking about like, um, you know, uh, like little people inside trying to master all of this complexity. Like you, you have yeah. to, you know, um, you have to look for ways to, to streamline that. Okay. Yeah. So, so let's talk about, um, the, the IFS, um, ERP, and then your, your recent transition to IFS cloud as sort of, uh, a real world example of the things that we've been talking about so far in action, right? So this is an example of, of how you're sort of um, walking the talk of, of what your strategy is in, in real life. So just tell us a little bit about, um, you know, the migration from IFS ERP, which I, I think you deployed around 2016, and then, you know, transitioning to the new IFS cloud and how that kind of touches on some of these themes. Uh, well, uh, I've, I've, I've been doing exactly like, like we discussed before that, uh, what I've been, uh, getting people to accept is, is that the, the baseline in the IFS might be acceptable for, for the business process. And, uh, and for us, uh, IFS has been, been able to provide many of those, I'd say they, they these are sort of like a blueprints for, mm -hmm. uh, our, our operations and, uh, They've been uh, giving these uh, areas where we, where we can uh, work smarter. Uh, we've been uh, even getting ideas on how to uh, set up our BDM systems in the background based on what IFS is, has, how the architecture has been formed in, in that system. And, uh, but the, the, really the idea is that uh, we've been trying to accept that what the platform enables and uh, we've been trying to channel our uh, energy to provide value to the end customer using that and uh, but the the innovation in in that is really about like we are accepting IFS as a as a, as a platform uh, mm -hmm. and and we already discussed about uh, limiting the number of those systems mm -hmm. and uh, and we did our homework and uh, we decided that IFS is a good platform for us mm -hmm. so uh, it all comes comes together and uh, in our case uh, it seems to be working quite well. Good. Now, how would you articulate the difference between the, you know, IFS ERP deployment circa 2016 to what IFS cloud offers? Uh, the change has been immense. Uh, uh, the first feedback we, we are getting is that the HTML5 interface is huge improvement. Uh, people love the fact that you can access with your mobile phone. All the time. That's that's a big plus, and uh, and uh, it has developed a lot. Uh, back in 2016, we sort of knew where IFS was going mm -hmm. in the future, and 
I think we are sort of with the IFS cloud, we are getting that system what we bought in 2016. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm really happy about that. The, the, uh, the roadmap for IFS really came to reality mm -hmm. for us. And so, that kind of goes back to the point you made at the beginning about you know, if you if you're going to rely more on partners, right? So if, if you yeah. can acknowledge the fact that you can't do it all, and yeah. then you know that you need to um, choose smartly who who you want to work with, right? Because you're trying to work with less people, like as you said, yeah. you're you know you're trying to to really simplify the ecosystem in terms of um, eliminating too many disparate systems and and looking for more of a platform. Um, yeah relationship, you know, it, it's a good point of, you know, don't just look at what's there now, look at what that roadmap looks like, right? And and yeah. and think about, you know, how the organizations you're choosing to work with, how are they innovating? And, and what are yeah. their plans, right? Because you want to yeah. sort of future-proof yourself in the sense of, you know, do, you, do they have what you need now to, to run the business and, and deliver the moment of service the way you need to? But then also as, as your business evolves, are they evolving too, right? Yeah. So that you're not in a position where, you know, in, in too short of a time, you're like, okay, well this worked, but now we've outgrown it, right? You want, you know, really it's the same concept we talk about with a lot of the folks um, that we have as guests on the podcast of, you know, moving away from a transactional relationship and moving more toward delivering, um, you know, outcomes and building partnerships, right? You know, so exactly. um, good. And, and, and I think one third of the uh, decision to select IFS back in 2016 was actually that, how do we see IFS as a partner for our future? Mm -hmm. So uh, the we have a, like a three finalists uh, system in, in that one. And mm -hmm. uh, the decision was really clear that with IFS, we uh, decided that we can trust them to be our partner and guide in the future as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that, that's really important. Good. Okay, so we talked a little bit about the fact that, you know, a lot of what IT is responsible for today is that concept of, you know, minimizing, but also mastering complexity. So, so mm -hmm. like we said, you know, customers don't care how hard Pekka's working every day, how hard, you know, SimCorp yeah. across the board is working every day. They, they just care that, that you're delivering what they need when they need it, right? So um, when it comes to, you know, delivering that ultimate simplicity to customers, um, mm -hmm. what, what are the keys to doing that? So, so how does a solution like IFS Cloud or or other you know tools that you use, um, what are what are the key ingredients to sort of mastering that complexity to be able to deliver an experience that that really hides all of that complexity from the customers? Uh, I I think uh, I'm getting back to the uh, sort of the basics that uh, we cannot invent everything in house. We mm -hmm. absolutely have to be able to trust to the partners we select and and the people we do business with, and 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 like we don't want to provide uh, select partners that would be that wouldn't be giving us anything in in return. Like uh, okay, we pay you money and, and you provide us the service, but uh, we really want them to be providing innovation and 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 the platform actually. 
like uh, with, with IFS, they, they are giving us uh, the uh, service platform in, in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And um, so- And I, I think it's worth revisiting that point of, you know, why a platform play versus disparate solutions makes sense. Yeah. And, and I think what it really comes down to at the root of it all, I mean, there's, there's many reasons, right? Part of it is just for you, the complexity of managing multiple relationships instead of one relationship. And, you know, but I think when you look at it from the customer perspective, and when you look at it from the ability to deliver in that moment of service, it comes down mm -hmm. to eliminating failure points. You know, I mean, the more systems you have tied together, the more opportunity there is um, to, to falter in mastering that complexity, right? You know, the, yeah. the more cohesiveness you can create behind the scenes, the better your chances of delivering that simplicity to, to customers. Yeah, um, and I, I had an excellent, uh, uh, like a, we were trying to, uh, we, were, we had like, a, of course we do alternative scenarios that what would we do? Mm -hmm. And we uh, studied one uh, alternative. And when we discovered that we would have to build 19 uh, interfaces between two systems and uh, most of them two-way interfaces. So that was immediately the point that we don't want to do that. We don't, we don't want to be spending the time working the uh, interfaces, all the changes in the system that will uh, affect the interfaces. So once again, we found of like a like a position where would be we would be digging a, a like a hole under under underneath us mm -hmm. with, with those interfaces. So once again, one platform, one solution uh, will help us to uh, focus on the business. Actually, yeah, yeah. So um, another area I want to talk about, Pekka, is around mm -hmm. data, right? So we talked yeah. about how you know complexity has increased and it's continuing to multiply. And I think a lot of that has to do with the criticality of data and, and data as a resource, right? So you mentioned, you know, the real-time data is essential for delivering what you need to in, in the moment of service. Um, so, so there's leveraging data within SimCorp to, to do that, right? And then there's the idea of, um, the the potential for leveraging data externally right so with the customer base so tell us a little bit about um you know what that looks like and and how you're you know looking at at data and it's sort of um limitless potential uh both internally and externally well uh this is not we, we always seem to have a, like a multiple uh data improvement programs ongoing all the time everywhere that seems to be like a the thing of the today, mm -hmm. uh, there's always something to fix, and especially now that we we have we've expanded to new countries and there's different cultures and and people with uh, very different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, most recently, we found that we need to have a, like a would it be a right way to say it? Well, like a more vocabulary for uh, the data data uh, related topics and. Um, like how do we call these uh, data items that that we, we, we want to enable people to understand that the importance of uh, why they are entering the data mm -hmm. and to if I'm not entering this, uh, this will affect this and this many departments after after themselves. And uh, uh, we've been finding that uh, when it comes to data, we have to provide more understanding to the whole organization. 
uh, around the data. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also we've invested heavily into data warehousing because uh, that is the, the big thing in, mm-hmm. in the future development. But uh, I, it's, it's, a, it's a really big topic. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The data, but um, uh, that's that's a big focus area, and and, uh, and, and I, I, I in in my mind I sort of return to the uh, situation where we'd have like a multiple systems, mm-hmm. and with the multiple systems we would have to worry about the data, and once again we would find ourselves being uh, farther away from the core idea. Right. So yeah, and I think you know. There, there's so much to sort out yet about the real potential for all of the data people are gathering now, right? And and how to make use of it, like I said, both within the company and, and within the customer base. And I think, you know, part of why it's important to relinquish some of the control of, you know, the, the systems that allow your business to run is so that you can focus more of your energy and efforts on sorting out you know, how do we leverage data better in the future, right? So that's something where it's, you know, that's a strategic focus, right? You know, that's something that is um, worthy of thinking and time and resources and energy, whereas, you know, you don't want to spend those time and resources and energy, you know, managing a bunch of configurations on a bunch of different systems because it's just exactly. not it's not bringing value to the future of the business and i think yeah. you know um i don't think anyone has has a real good handle on exactly how powerful you know the the data side can be um into the future but that is a really good argument for why you need to focus less on systems and more on strategy right Exactly. I, I'd say this is exactly the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to ask, Pekka, you mentioned a couple of times throughout the conversation, interacting with some of your peers. And I think, um, you know, that that's a really good point um, because, that, you know, that's kind of the premise, honestly, of future of field service is being able to learn what, what other folks are doing. Um, but, you know, how do you do that and 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 how is that important to you being able to sort of stay in tune with how other companies are are tackling challenges and you know um handling their own innovation uh what i actually do is i i continuously encourage my my staff to find uh these like a uh, benchmarking companies mm-hmm. and be active in in in, in like this there's, there's these uh, end user groups mm-hmm. We are finding there's uh, like a internet-based communities where people have discussions, and uh, uh, I've granted granted them time to uh, help other companies, mm-hmm. and 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 also search help from other companies. Yeah. So uh, I think it's a sort of like a we we don't want to be stuck in inside the the, uh, the walls of our uh, department. Right. And uh, I, I think it's it's more like encouraging that we we discuss with the outside mm-hmm. all the time more and more because we can only win. Of course, right. you you can you you cannot spend ninety uh, percent of your time uh, discussing with some other companies. You have you have to have a, like a, some some limits on that. But still, the basic idea is that uh, every week you should try to find somebody to help, uh, find mm-hmm. somebody to uh, like get a, get an insight on what you do. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
and we seem to be finding <laughs> today we are, we are getting emails from other companies that, mm-hmm. that have heard or heard about us that and, and want to discuss and uh, so it's been it took like a two, one or two years to get that started but yeah now it's, we, we are finding really good uh, partner companies we can discuss with and uh, and also some of the partners have like active uh, they provide also insight that that uh, this company might be benefiting you and, and maybe you, you two companies should uh, discuss. Right, right. Yeah, I think there's so much power in building that collective knowledge. And, and it is very important to kind of make the time to look outside of, of your own company and your own day-to-day. Because I think, you know, yeah. creating that space is what allows you to you know, not mimic what someone else is doing, but but sort of survey the landscape to get different ideas to bring back into into your own business. Um, I'm a, yeah. I'm a huge advocate of that, and and I think it's um, you know a really good point, particularly if there are folks listening that you know some of the things we talked about about relinquishing control and outsourcing makes them nervous. Like talk to some other people that are doing it to see if you can increase your your comfort level a bit. Yeah, I I, yeah. I think. That's that's been uh, being enough. Of course, you have to be really careful to to which kind of companies you you talk to and which okay. people. But uh, generally, uh, I I'd say I really recommend that. Mm-hmm. It, it has provided a lot of value for for us. Good. Okay. Um, last question for today is: What do you envision the IT strategy of twenty thirty one looking like? <laughs> That, that, that's a big question. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, first thing that comes to mind is, is obvious there's going to be more public clouds uh, being used and uh, information security will in, by any means be uh, of lesser importance than it's today. And uh, but I, I, I think sort of, sort of along the lines about what we discussed earlier, it's, it's going to be more about uh, businesses IT strategies um, uh, aligning. In, mm-hmm. in, in many ways and uh, I would say that there would be more deep partnerships with the IT suppliers just like we discussed before mm-hmm. that, like uh, as a sources of innovation and, and platforms and new ways of working and uh, and maybe there would be more uh, deeper level partnerships on IT with the our customers too just mm-hmm. thinking about all the IoT uh, data that we discussed about uh, all of that, I, I, I see as a, as a big part of IT strategy for for in in about ten years time. Yeah, so that'll keep you busy. I'm, I'm sure that <laughs> good. Well, well, Pekka, thank you so much for for joining and and sharing your story today. I really thank appreciate you. it. I think there's some excellent points in here for people to consider, and and I certainly um, appreciate your perspective. Yeah, thank you. It was nice to be here. So very good discussion. (laughs) Gave me a lot of ideas too. (laughs) Yes, yes. All right. You can find more by visiting us at futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn as well as Twitter at the Future of FS. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more by visiting ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening.